Welcome to the Real Live Faith Podcast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Janice. Life is a parable. All of creation points to God the Creator. We're going to be talking about how we see this in action in our everyday lives and how we use our good days and our mess-ups to grow in our relationship with the Lord. We don't know in what season of life you find yourself currently, but let this be a season of new life and growth. Join us as we talk about having real faith in real life. In this episode, we're talking about trials, and one of the books of the Bible that discusses trials is James chapter 1. Now, if you're going through a trial, James may not be very encouraging, but if you keep reading, there is much to learn. James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. He says, count it all joy. Count it all, all of it. If you've ever gone through a trial, those words right off the bat may catch your attention and perk your ears. Because maybe instead of counting or considering it all joy, you consider it as misery. While I was studying this chapter and of the trials that I've encountered, I would say that I have considered my trials many things. But joy is not necessarily one of them. Some other words actually come to mind. Anxious, overwhelming, frustrating, disappointing, inconvenient, unfair, maddening, upsetting, and painful. I think the reason for this conflict of emotions on our part is often because we don't associate meeting the trial with the act of going through it. Verse 2 doesn't say, while you're going through a trial. It says, when you meet a trial. The trial has just been introduced to you. This meeting, or encounter, also implies a prepared response. You know, James didn't say, if you meet. He said, when it happens. And, you know, we're so quick to apply this to our past, but this is not just about what's already happened. It's about preparing you for what's coming. That's exactly right. James is writing to believers, and he wants them to know that just because they have salvation does not mean their trials in this life will be obliterated. He wanted them to be prepared before it happens. It's kind of like placing an umbrella in your car and leaving it there through sunny days so that when the time comes for rain, you're prepared to meet the weather. It seems like so many false teachers today try to say that we won't ever go through trials as believers and that if we do, it means we're being punished or that we didn't have enough faith. And that's so wrong and dangerous to tell people that. It's just simply not true. All over the Bible, we are told of the trials God's people endured, not because they were horrible people and deserved the trials, but because they were allowed to go through them. That's exactly right. And I immediately think of Job and all the loss he endured. I think of Joseph and what his brothers did to him and all he endured through the years. I think of Paul and the long, long list of trials that he lays out for us in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 33. Let's take a look at all the trials he went through. In those verses, Paul talks about how he's been put in prison more than others. He's been whipped many times and faced death again and again. He says five different times the Jewish leaders gave him 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. Once he spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. He faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. He faced dangers from his own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. He faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And he faced danger from men who claimed to be believers, but were not. 
He worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. He was hungry and thirsty, and often went without food. And if that wasn't enough, he says in verse 28, Besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. False teachers today would never even dream of giving that list, confessing the trials they endured, almost as bragging rights. But not Paul. He goes on in verses 30 through 33 to say, If I must boast, I would rather boast about all the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I'm not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. Paul didn't shy away from telling others about the trials he endured. He wore them like a badge and even praised God. So in James 1 verse 2, we're told to count them all as joy. But we're also told that there are various trials or trials of various kinds. Trials come in all shapes, colors, sizes, and durations. Your trial may not look like mine, or it may not last as long as someone else's, and it may not have the same outcome as another's. So often, it seems like we compare the trials we face to the trials others face, and then we make a sweeping judgment of God toward ourselves and others. We wonder why our story didn't end like theirs, and we're tempted to immediately think God blessed someone more than us, or he cared more for them and their family than he did for us. The important thing is that we remember our trials are not wasted. They're not a coincidence or a result of bad luck or fate. There is purpose to the trials in our life. In verse 3, James says, knowing that the testing of our faith. We need to know this, that our faith will be tested. And through this testing of our faith, it produces endurance. There is purpose to trials. God doesn't allow trials to come into our life to destroy our faith. There's no evil intent although you may feel it's very cruel of him to allow you to experience these trials. Absolutely, it is very easy to feel that way. But James 1 verse 3 goes on to say, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance. So then what's the purpose of trials? James 1 verse 3 tells us to test our faith, to produce endurance. What's the purpose of that? Well, verse 4 tells us to let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. One of the things that I have found interesting with regards to the testing of our faith is that the word for testing was often used when referring to the purification process for precious metals. This was done by putting them through extreme heat to take out the impurities. So the tested metal would come out so pure you could see a reflection in it. What a picture for us, right? There's a sermon in that. You know, God's testing brings forth his reflection in us. And so as we go through the heat, we become more like him. How many of us have had our faith tested? And how many of us would say that it was a painful process? Looking back, we can see how we have been growing through that process. Yes, that's so true. And I am reminded of a quote we hear all the time that says, A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. James 1, 4 begins, and let endurance have its perfect result. This means hold nothing back. In other words, don't get in the way. Don't fight it. Let it have its perfect result. Why? Well, that you may be perfect, mature, without defect, excellent, complete. It doesn't feel that way, but God wants to make you holy. That's right. He wants you to be a reflection of him. 
and it's the trials in life that make us more like Christ. The trials in our life stir us towards the Lord. It wakes us up and gets our attention. We seek God fiercely when we're in the midst of a trial. We start praying more, and we pray hard. But the problem is when that season of trial passes. Once the rough waters calm down, we're tempted to fall back into a slumber and complacency in our walk with the Lord. We're tempted to think that we don't need him anymore, or that he's no longer useful to us because that trial is over. Yes, and how mistaken we are in that thinking. Because it reminds me, I heard one time, that we're either going into a trial, we're in the middle of one now, or we're coming out of one. So we need to not be prideful. We need to remember that, you know, if we feel like we're doing great, hang on. Because there may be another one up ahead, right around the corner. James 1.5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Mm, That is so good. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm in the midst of a trial, wisdom is like the number one thing that I'm looking for, right? Wisdom is the ability to discern or judge correctly what is true or right. It's the ability to make God-honoring decisions, and it comes from obeying God and following his word closely. And the first step to obtaining wisdom is to ask God for it. And how are we told that God gives wisdom? Without reproach. When we go to God and ask for wisdom, we find him waiting and willing. Why? Because the testing of your faith leads to some tough decisions you have to make. He knows our weakness, and he's not trying to trick us or make us guess what to do. He wants us to know how to proceed and how to make sense of things. James is urging us in chapter 1, verse 6, to come to God with our problems and trust in his wise guidance. He says we are to ask for wisdom in faith. How do you do that? Well, he answers, without any doubting. When you doubt, you are uncertain in regard to the truth that God is able or willing. When you doubt, you are unsettled in your belief. We need God's wisdom so we can endure our trials. James describes the one enduring trials in chapter 1 verse 12 as blessed. And he tells us our promised reward for remaining steadfast is the crown of life. So hang on. Time is a potential tool in the hands of God. So right now, you may not understand the why. You may be asking, why do I have to endure this trial? But just wait. Don't quit on God. He will use time as a tool to minister to you. The promise of blessing is to those who endure. So when the time comes for you to endure a trial of your own, are there some godly people in your life that you can ask to come alongside you and encourage you and be with you through those times? And if you're not currently going through a trial, how can you use God's word to encourage someone who is? Whatever trials you face, remember that nothing ever surprises God. He knows what's going to happen and how your trial will end. So hold fast to his promises and trust that he is good. If you have not placed your faith in Christ, why wait? Seek him and call on his name for salvation. Confess that you are a sinner and repent of your sin. Surrender to Jesus today and place your trust in him as Savior and Lord of your life. Thanks for listening to the Real Life Faith Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share us with others so they too can learn about living out real faith in real life. You can check out our blog and shop at reallifefaith.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Gab Social. Don't forget to sign up for our emails to receive exclusive subscriber content. 
Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.